the Gucci girl, Prada professional, coach queen, or target trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. Cranberry Radio proudly presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Retan, chief storyteller at Styled Retail, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now, please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Retan. Good afternoon. Welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country, the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending, the woman. Well, first up, an article by Larissa Fall from Media Post on IKEA's Friendsgiving promotion. So, you know, we're here on the cusp of Thanksgiving. It has become kind of this holiday where you spend it with the people that you love. And in some cases, that's not your family. In some cases, that's actually your friends. And so IKEA is leveraging that trend of what they're calling Friendsgiving with kind of this new approach. So they are giving Friendsgiving kits to Uber Uber users in New York City's five boroughs. And those writers, they're the first to open the Uber app and enter a promo kit code called IKEA Friend they actually then get rides, which I think is super cool. So it's IKEA and Uber coming together. They also receive IKEA dining products and holiday ingredients for six if they're one of 200 users connected to a car. So it's very synergistic between the two partners. And I really love the creativity of this and really kind of keying into this trend of Friendsgiving. Of course, all of this is going to be pushed out over social and also through creatives. There, IKEA is working with a food and social influencer, Katie Quinn, and Oh Happy Day Lifestyle blogger, Jordan Fernie, to share videos on Ikea's channels that demonstrate how to use the kit contents to create those meals. So remember the kit contents are what you get if you actually go onto the Uber app. And so these guys will be showing you what to do with it. So it's all a nice little promotional package. I wish them the best of luck with it. I think it, it is very unique and different. Our first profile today is a product professional. It's a woman a working woman trying to balance her life after she spends so much energy on the job. This woman's around 36 years old, of course, attended college. Three quarters of them are married. 60% are parents making more than 75000 a year. They consider themselves to be very fashionable, cutting edge, like to stand out in the crowd. They have their favorite clothing brands and they like to stick with it. They don't shop around too much. Price is not a huge indicator of what they want to buy. They really do buy more around brands and quality. Quality is a huge factor for them. They will shop around, though, if it's really expensive product. She spends a lot of time, as I said, at work. So the time that she spends at home is really, really precious to her. So she will spend the rest of her time on her family or arts and entertainment, or travel. Those are all big things for her. So at retail, she's shopping Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, Pottery Bar, and Crate and Barrel, and our favorite here in Minnesota, Target. So if you're a marketer, where are you going to connect with the product professional? Well, she's reading a lot of magazines, like Real Simple, In Style, Shape, Vanity Fair, Cooking Light are all big for her. She's watching E, Food Network, TLC, and TBS. 
So you can connect with her through kind of that entertainment sector, which is where she tends to, to get her information. Well, my guest today certainly knows a lot about the Prada professional. She also knows a lot about entertaining. Stephanie Hansen is a podcaster, a social media maven, and radio show host on 107.1. She has her own podcast where she goes actually interviews entrepreneurs, creators, and innovators who make products and services right here in Minnesota. That podcast is called Makers of Minnesota on Podcast One. And then each and every week, she and her co-host focus on great food news. So very much a foodie type of approach on their weekly show called The Weekly Dish. So Stephanie's on today because she's going to bring us some really good tips and tricks on holiday entertaining. Uh, Many of us are rolling into that very busy season where we're having to entertain our boss or our clients or our friends in our home. And how can we do that well? What do we want to make sure we do? And what do we want to make sure we avoid? Because we don't want a disastrous party. So Stephanie is going to bring all of our wisdom to the next segment. Uh, You're going to want to stick around to hear from Stephanie Hansen when we return. Her Strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjord, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. More refreshing talk radio on air and on demand 24-7. Only on Cranberry Radio. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. Welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today is Stephanie Hansen, podcaster, social media maven, and radio host on 107.1. She and her co-host bring foodies all the news they can chew on with their show, The Weekly Dish. You can also catch her podcast at Makers of Minnesota, which focuses on entrepreneurs, creators, and innovators who make products and services right here in the beautiful state of Minnesota. I'm really thrilled to have Stephanie on today. Stephanie, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. Well, you certainly know your way around the podcast. Your Makers Minnesota is out on Podcast One, and you've been doing that for how long now? Oh, gosh. I think we started in July, and I have like 21 episodes that we've done. It's pretty fun. 
Yeah, and you do talk to some really fascinating people. And then you've been doing your radio show, The Weekly Dish, for a long time now. And it's kind of the go-to, I think, source for news and information for all things food and drink. And honestly, I think you're on the air more than you're off the air because you also you know, <laughs> do a lot of guest hosting as well. So what don't you do these days, Stephanie? <laughs> I don't sleep. But other than that, everything else. You do. I swear you do. And it's all good stuff. And I would say with all of the stuff that you do and all the people that you get to talk to on your show and off, you know a lot about entertaining, specifically what to do and what not to do in entertaining people of significance in our lives, whether that people at work or people in our personal lives. Where did you derive your expertise from, would you say? Oh my gosh, it was for sure trial and error. I can remember actually meeting my husband's mother for the first time and we went to a (laughs) fancy French restaurant and there was more silverware than I had ever seen and I had no idea what to do with it and I was so intimidated. So I ordered the same thing she ordered and I literally waited until she would pick up a piece of silverware and I watched what she did and did the same thing. And years later, I was telling her about that experience. And she confessed, she said, well, there were pieces of silverware there. I didn't know what to do with because there was like a special knife for a fish. And it was just, it was a lot of silverware. So I came to it through trial and error. I think what I want to emphasize most is you know, all these things are just guides and a lot of it depends on who you're with. You know, you're going to obviously act different with your family than you would with your boss, right? That's absolutely right. Um, Very differently, I would imagine. One of the things that I've noticed a lot too is people are not used to having like a formal dinner anymore. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are kind of grab and go and we're eating at the kitchen island, you know, versus sitting down and having meals. So millennials in particular sometimes are like, gosh, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do etiquette-wise in a business dinner. And it's terrifying for people. Just like you were a little bit scared with your first time you met your mother-in-law and not really knowing what to do. We don't want to make fools of ourselves, you know? And yet we're here with, especially in a business situation, you might be taking out a big client. Your boss may have asked to take you out for dinner, a celebratory dinner, especially around the holiday entertaining season. And it's already busy and stressful, But that just kind of heightens the whole thing. So really excited that you're here to give us some tips. First, tell us, you talked about why we're kind of at a loss when it comes to entertaining, just because we don't do it that often. And entertaining for family and friends is very different, as you said, for entertaining for business. But talk a little bit about what those key differences are that we ought to be paying attention to. Yeah, I think one of the things that people don't really think about, but it becomes important in this kind of a setting is food allergies, trying to be sensitive to the people that you're with, conversation topics. You know, there's certain topics you might talk with your family about, but you would not want to be talking about in a business setting. (laughs) Things like politics is coming to mind, particularly this year. Yes. Other things that I think are important to think about are religious affiliations. You know, if you're dining with someone that's maybe from a different culture than you, the way they eat or the things they eat might be different. Mm -hmm. Right. And how important is it, Stephanie, for us to have done our research in advance if we are going to a dinner party that is multicultural? Because it can be a huge sign of disrespect. You may think it's a small thing. But you do it out of ignorance, but it's a huge disrespectful thing. So, yeah, I think it depends on if you're the guest 
or you're the host. So if you're hosting the dinner, you have to do your research. You're responsible for knowing what people's food allergies are. You're responsible for knowing whether they eat meat. You're responsible for knowing if they're going to be imbibing in alcohol so that you can really set up the ideal scenario for your group. If you are a guest, I think people are a little more relaxed because they understand that maybe you're a new person or you're not familiar with them. But the rules for the host are a little bit different. Well, talk a little bit about about if you're the one in charge of developing the event. Talk about how you decide where to hold the event and fun and kind of able to bring to life the environment, the kind of takeaway that you want for that. How do you even begin developing something as simple as a dinner party? Yeah, I think, again, it depends on the group. So if you're, you know, with a kind of swanky tech company, you maybe are going to be in a smaller room in a newer type restaurant that might be a little more modern, where you might start with like a signature cocktail that you order for everyone. And then you go into wine, you know, one white, one red, versus if you are at, let's say, a brewery and you're taking everybody out for a celebratory dinner, you might be more inclined to have bowling or something like that. So I think it's, first of all, dependent on what type of culture you are. And what you're doing at the dinner, are you thanking your employees? Are you trying to sign a big contract? So depending on what the situation is would probably dictate where you go. One of the things I think people do poorly is I don't think they budget for these events very well. So what I would do first is identify what your budget is and then back out the number of people. Most people do it the reverse. They think about how many people they're going to have, and then they try to assign a budget for that, and they usually don't budget enough. So if you know what your budget is, that's going to really dictate the number of people that you can have comfortably. Mm -hmm. Right. And these things can escalate, right? You know, especially if you've got beer and wine or or cocktails and you don't put a cap on things. Do you think it's gauche? to have a cap on beer, wine, and alcohol, for example, at something like a a dinner party with a client or an event or in a small holiday party? Or do you think people understand that it's not open bar? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think if you're having a dinner party and you're either in a home or let's say you're, you know, with a group of 16 or less, that yes, it is gauche. So you should Mm -hmm. plan on having three drinks per person generally in your budget. And typically that's going to be wine usually or beer. So you can manage the the pour that way. If it's more open-ended or it's a bigger setting or a little looser setting, I think that's okay. But the way you facilitate it then would be with drink tickets or something that Mm -hmm. isn't incumbent on the bartender or anybody at the event to try to manage it because that's where it can get awkward. You know, if... Susie's had her free drink already and she's trying to get another free drink. I think just issuing like a drink ticket or even using like a business card of the person hosting the party, something like that usually works pretty well. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit too about the difference in kind of a buffet and a sit down and what you think kind of the expectation is today, or is it kind of all bets are off that any of it's acceptable? It's just more how you execute it. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I was just at a wedding this weekend that had a buffet. It wasn't a plated dinner and it was a smaller wedding and a more casual event. So that felt fine. I think if you're trying to impress someone or you're trying to have a little classier event or perhaps a client dinner, 
you really should go with a plated event. Mm -hmm. If it is a thank you event or something a little less casual, like a bachelorette or a team gathering, I think a buffet is fine. What you want to think about too is like, if you're doing a buffet, people are kind of up and moving about the whole time. So Mm -hmm. there isn't really time to orchestrate a program versus if you have a seated situation, you can really do more of a program or you have a PowerPoint or a series of toasts, whatever that might be. It's harder to do that with a buffet. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. And how important is it that you serve multiple courses in your opinion? Do you think having an appetizer course and something like that's important? And of course, there's always a dessert course, but how important is it that you have these discrete courses in something like a a holiday party, if you will? Okay. So again, it depends on the formality. If you're having a (laughs) holiday party and it's a plated dinner I think it's okay to have the salad already set when the people sit down or possibly if you're doing a soup course. I think it's also okay to have the desserts already on the table at the beginning of the meal so that if you are going to have a program or something, once that meal service ends, you can kind of move right into the program and you're not having to replate a dessert. Yeah, I think it really depends on, again, how you're going to structure the event. If you're there to close a deal with a client, and it's a smaller gathering, having different plated courses will stretch out the time of the meal and the time that you'll spend together. So if you've got a lot of details to cover, that could be ideal Mm -hmm. versus just going right to the main course. Right. And oftentimes, too, you know, you'll see a host or hostess send guests away with a gift. Are you a big believer that that's an important part of the experience that your guests leave? Yeah. Yeah, it depends. Okay, so I think it's really important, number one, to have a hostess gift. So if you are invited into someone's home, you are obligated to bring a hostess gift. I can't believe how many people don't do this. It's a real faux pas. So mm-hmm. it can be liquor. It can be wine. It can be a set of thank you note cards. In fact, it should be something that the host is not obligated to use at the event that day or that evening. So it's something Mm -hmm. for them to have for themselves after the event. It does not have to be a large thing. It could be a donation made in their honor to some charity they're interested in. It could be a a holiday ornament. I mean, there's a million things you can do. Could even be a potted plant. I try to encourage people not to bring flowers in that evening because it requires the host or the hostess to have to get a vase and it sort of distracts them from the entertaining. Mm -hmm. But that's sort of on the hostess gift side. And then I think if you're having a holiday party or you're having a team gathering that some kind of a takeaway is really a nice gesture. Again, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be auctioning off the centerpiece in the middle of the table. It could be a special party favor for that evening. But I I think that does elevate the event and makes it extra special. And like you planned it and you thought about their needs before you planned. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you one more question, then we're going to take a quick break. But at the beginning, there's usually an invite, right? How appropriate is it these days? I've seen invitations come out through Evite. I've seen invitations come out through a hard copy mailed invitation. I've actually seen invitations come through email. Talk a little bit about protocol around the invite part of it, which kind of sets the tone for, I think, what people expect for the whole event. Yeah, and I think everybody's so busy these days, everything's kind of, if you're layering it, that's ideal. So I actually believe that if it's a small event, 
you could send an email, you could send an evite, or you could send a written invitation. But the reality is, is you probably have to do two of the three, if not three of the three, to get RSVPs. People are terrible about RSVPing these days. If you're having a larger event, I think invitation, uh, mailed or written invitation is good. I also think you're going to have to, again, follow it up with emails, sometimes even calls, emails, and an evite just to get the RSVPs that you need. The internet is great for certain things, but it's been terrible for RSVPing and getting people to respond to party invitations. Yeah, I had an event not too long ago, and probably half of my group didn't RSVP. (laughs) It was annoying. Nope. Very, very annoying. Yeah, it's Um, very hard to plan. It makes it more challenging, obviously, for the host and the hostess, but you kind of do have to be ready for anything because people are just accustomed now to showing up. Yeah, exactly. And showing up on time, right? So do you feel like there's still a little bit of a protocol or a little bit of leeway built into most? events where you can show up quote unquote fashionably late 15 minutes or do you feel like that you really need to be there at the start of the event that's or a good I guess question I guess, the type of event yeah I think it does so if it's a group event of a large let's say like 30 people or more and it's a work event say I think within a 30 minute window is fine that's mm-hmm. fashionably late if it's a dinner party and you arrive 30 minutes late that's not okay That would be much tighter window, I would say, within 15 minutes. If you're with a hostess in a home and they're planning a multi-course meal, you know, they've got this planned out and they've got their cooking time set accordingly. So if people are coming half hour, 45 minutes late, that's just too late. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you just come off looking rude. <laughs> right. And Well, um, and I encourage hostesses to, to stay on their schedule. So Mm -hmm. if you think someone's coming and it's been, you know, 15, 20 minutes and they've not arrived yet, whatever you were planning, start. And that's acceptable on your end, too. So if your guests do end up coming in late, you can accommodate them, throw down an extra place setting to accommodate everybody. But, yeah, you can't hold up the whole dinner party just because you have some people that typically run late. Yeah, no. And that's a really good point because I think most people feel badly, right? Start without their entire guest list being there, at least the people that they know have committed. But you are holding up all these other people. And especially during the busy holiday season when you may have multiple events that you have to go to. And in some cases, people are not only going to your event, but they're leaving your event and they're going to another event. So absolutely, um, yep. you really do have to stay on task. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Stephanie, and we come back. I sure. want to talk about the little things that you think make the biggest impact. So everybody stick around. Steph Hansen returns in just a moment. Her strings. We'll be right back after a word from our advertisers. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising, or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. 
It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's, it's good for you. Really. Chris Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Retan. I've been chatting today with Stephanie Hansen, podcaster, social media maven, and radio show host on 107.1. She and her co-host bring foodies all the news they can chew on with their show, The Weekly Dish. You can also catch her podcast at Makers of Minnesota on Podcast One. And we've been talking about art of entertaining. And it's a very timely topic because we're right here on the threshold of the holiday season when entertaining really kicks into gear. And as Stephanie so wisely noted, so many of us really do not formally entertain anymore. And especially in a business setting, we may not always know what's good protocol and what's poor protocol. And that could be the death of us, actually, if we're entertaining our clients or our bosses. And so Steph's been on today talking a little bit about how we can make sure we have a lovely dinner party or holiday party, especially if we're the ones that are responsible for it. So Stephanie, during dinner, you've already given us some great advice on as a host, what we need to be paying attention to. Are there some things that we want to avoid when giving a dinner? Things that would potentially be detrimental to a good dinner party? Yeah, it's funny how overlooked music is. So there's a lot of language in music, right? And I can't tell you how many events I've been at where there's super inappropriate music blasting in the background. (laughs) So that's always a little awkward. The other thing that is also like the worst faux pas, I think, is not having enough food. And that happens a lot too, where, you know, there's a past appetizer and it's gone And then people are waiting around for 45 minutes before they sit down to the next course. So the timing of things and having lots of little bites around, especially if you're serving alcohol, things like nuts, things that are going to fill a person up. Because if you have, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of a cocktail party when everybody's nervous and you don't have enough bites around, people can really be drinking too fast and too much. And that can lead to Mm -hmm. danger down the road. (laughs) A really bad, bad dinner party, actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The other weird thing that you see a lot is people prepare a very messy past appetizer or something that's too large to bite in one bite. So if you have your hand on a drink and then someone's coming by with a past appetizer and you only have one hand to maneuver things... If it's a really messy dip that's going to get on your nice clothes, that can be an issue. So thinking about that, also that it's one bite. Many of the caterers really focus on what is something that someone can pop in their mouth with one bite so that you're not having to like have just this messy piece of food while you're standing around talking to people. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? Where we've had that awkward juggle. God, yes. or <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible. Yeah, or it's something that it's messy. And, you know, you're like, okay, horrified because you have something all over your face and you can't even yep. get your napkin to your face. That's just a horrible thing. Or you've spilled. Another um, oh thing gosh, that's yeah. kind of 
important to know is many times when you're like, let's say you're with your spouse or you're with a new person and maybe you can't remember the name of one of your coworkers, you should kind of have a code with the person that you're with, how that's going to be handled. So if you're in a small dinner party, it's customary to shake hands and introduce yourself. And then when a new person comes to the table, you stand up to greet them. People forget the standing up part, but that's a nice gesture, a little more formal for a dinner party. If you're in a group setting, though, have a code word with the person that you're with so that if you don't right away say, hi, this is so-and-so, they can introduce themselves so that Mm -hmm. you can get everyone's name without it having to be awkward and you left hanging there trying to remember a coworker's name because that's a terrible situation too. It is horribly awkward. Yes, I've been there, done that, and it's for their spouse, which, you know, they may have talked about the spouse a million times, but for whatever reason, you can't remember his name is Bill. And then you feel yep. like, oh, I should know Bill's name, right? So yep. I, I'm a big believer in the code word. Love that tip. So what are the little things that make the biggest impact? And when I say biggest impact, I really mean the most positive impact on a guest, that they realize, oh, this is a really thoughtful hostess. This is a really lovely event. What are those little things? I think kind of having a plan. So starting with, again, this is assuming you're in a home or a small environment, but have a signature cocktail so that when people are coming into your setting, you're welcoming and greeting them with something. Not everyone will take advantage of the signature cocktail, but it shows that you were kind of have a theme for the night and you've planned ahead. I think when the meal is about to be served, inviting people to sit down. And when you invite them to sit down, tell them what to expect from the meal. You know, what is it that you're having? If someone has a special vegetarian plate, for instance, letting them know that the first courses will be served and then the the next course will be served for them or something. So they're not wondering kind of what the protocol is of the evening. Mm -hmm. Toasts are always welcome. I love toasts. I don't think people toast (laughs) enough. It just shows appreciation. It shows gratitude. It creates a fun environment. Inviting other people to participate in the toasts too. So if you're in a team Mm -hmm. setting, that's nice. I also think it invites other people that might be guests into the environment so they understand what's going on. Why are we here? Why are we toasting? What is this occasion that we're celebrating? All very relevant. So have you noticed more parties in the last few years or fewer parties? I think for whatever reason, I think the recession had somewhat of a quieting effect on for sure how we get together. Have you seen that lingering a little bit? Sort of. 2008 was the recession and we didn't really see, I don't think, full-blown parties picking up again until about 2013. People were doing more potlucks. They were doing more things in the office. There is still a lot of that, but I'm seeing more of a twist towards formal entertaining now and more Mm -hmm. formal gatherings. Dinner parties are always welcome and seem to be coming back into fashion so that you can have like friends giving with friends, things that are more friend driven versus just family driven. Yeah, I love the whole entertaining in the home concept and I think that Thanksgiving has kind of become that for a lot of people. They tend to celebrate Thanksgiving with friends, sometimes more than even their families. And so I think there are some of those events where it's just a really nice get-together. Super Bowl would be another one that'll be coming up here before we know it. Yep. That's always and a people fun, forget, time. Like, you don't have to do all the cooking yourself. I mean, there's plenty of services that will either come into your home and prepare the food there, 
bring the food and have it in disposable dishes, or even bring the food and set it up in your tableware so that it's not that you're necessarily trying to fool someone that you cooked the whole event yourself, but it feels a little more personal than having, you know, the chafing dishes and that sort of thing. There's a lot of ways to go with entertaining these days. Yeah, and it is all acceptable. You know, it's not like back in the day when if it wasn't homemade, oh my gosh, you weren't very thoughtful, yep. right? I mean, that stigma And there's gone so many now. shortcuts. Yeah, like yeah. you can have liquor delivered. So you can have a full-service liquor delivery to your home, beer, wine, everything. You can have it delivered and set up or delivered, set up, and served. Also with like yeah. cheese plates. So, you know, maybe you have all these items delivered, but you do something that would be your signature. So maybe you're a griller and you want to grill something out but you're going to pair it with sides that have been prepared by somebody else and brought. And I think potlucks too. Potlucks at work are certainly acceptable, but also like gatherings in your home, but if you assign a dish for people. So if Mm -hmm. I'm going to be making, let's let's say I'm going to make lamb chops and I'm going to invite you to bring the salad, you to bring a soup, you to bring a main starch. I think that's okay too. Mm -hmm. And that does really lessen the pressure on the hostess too. You know, when you're giving a dinner party, you want to be able to enjoy it. You don't want to be stressed out the whole time. And part of being a good hostess is being attentive. And if you're distracted with all the minutiae, you're not really enjoying it. And then what's the point, right? Yeah, exactly. The other thing is thinking about being a good guest. We've all had, I think, times where maybe we imbibed too much or we maybe said something that we shouldn't. Try to think like before you head into the evening, who is your audience? Why are you there? Is it a business? Is it personal? Is it friends? Obviously, you're going to act different with your friends than you would with your boss. But being aware of sort of how you're showing up to the event too. Did you have a bad day? Do you need to take some time to collect yourself? A lot of times it's very hard for introverts to be in a setting like this because it's just Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable for them. So if you're the hostess and you know the people that are coming, you know, trying to make sure that everyone's mingling, everybody's comfortable. Having a game sometimes can really be an icebreaker if you have a crowd that's really dry or talking about like what was something you were grateful for this year or what was something at work that happened that you were really proud of. Kind of giving them some conversation starters. Great ideas. Really great ideas. And I think there are a lot of introverts that just find this whole season extremely stressful. Because yeah, they know they're going to be pressed into action, right? So the more we can yes. do as hostesses and hosts to, to lessen that and, and kind of make an equal playing field, if you will, during the event, I think that's really great advice, Stephanie. So for people who want to catch your show and learn more about you, where's the best place for them to go? There's a lot of places to find me. So (laughs) Stephanie's Weekly Dish is my website and you can find my podcast there. You can find any recipes that I'm working on or I have a pics in the travel section. You can also go to Makers of Minnesota on Podcast One, on Facebook, on Twitter. That's where you'll find the podcast that I'm doing with entrepreneurs around the state of Minnesota. And then on Saturday morning from 9 to 11 on My Talk 107.1, we have the Weekly Dish Radio Show where we talk a lot like we talked today about different, like how do you order wine if you're the person who's ordering wine for the gathering and someone's having steak and someone's having fish. What is a gal to do when she has to be the person that's ordering the wine? Yeah, always, always a good listen. I will say I'm a regular listener of that show and I always learn Thanks something so much. each and every week. I truly do. Stephanie, thank you for being on the show and kind of us walking us through your tips and tricks to a very successful holiday gathering. I'm probably 
probably going to end up pouring some of those myself in the next few weeks. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Absolutely. And I would encourage anyone, if you need a refresher or you have any questions about where to go or private dining spaces or wines to recommend, you can always find me on Twitter at Weekly Dish. It's like we're your own personal concierge. We'll answer all your questions and give you tips. Yes. And you're so good at that. Stephanie, thank you. And thank you to my producer, George. And join me right here next week for another edition of First Drinks, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 